0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of my K-drama podcast. So today I am here to talk with you guys about a historical Korean drama called King's Affection. Uh King's Affection what are my thoughts about it? I suppose I have some. (laughs) I normally have lots of thoughts about everything. Um, Yeah, I do have thoughts about this one too. (laughs) So uh, just overview wise, this is a 20 episode drama, came out in the very end of 2021. Um, It is a a tropey, it's not really, but I guess the trope here is girl dresses as a boy kind of a drama, which gets me every time. I don't think I'll ever Ever not watch a show about a girl that dresses as a boy. And I have to say, particularly in the historical dramas, I fucking love this trope. It's amazing. So, my general thoughts about The King's Affection are kind of complicated. Uh, Mostly, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I really, really liked it. I liked the characters. The show looks gorgeous. Like, it's so beautiful. But I also had this small problem, (laughs) which is a personal problem that relates to me and probably not you. So, you know, don't listen to me, but also... Keep listening because this is my show <laughs> where I tell you things. <laughs> but my story is that while I was watching The King's Affection, I was actually also watching The Red Sleeve. The Red Sleeve being the also late 2020 um, historical Saga Korean drama romance drama. Um, and as it turned out, The Red Sleeve or well, The Red Sleeve Cuff was a, my absolute top by far favorite K drama that came out, you know, favorite 2020 K drama. That came out in the year twenty twenty, um, and I loved it like on a mad level, which meant that it was very very hard. I think in hindsight, for the king's affection to kind of grab me as much, you know, I was literally watching what became the most perfect, wonderful drama in the world to me, the Red Sleeve, and at the same time, I was watching the King's Affection, and I was really enjoying the King's Affection, but. It could no way compare to what my heart was doing while I was watching the other show. And I feel that's almost an unfair disadvantage to the King's affection. And I think probably some of my thoughts and feelings around this show and this story and, you know, the way it progresses might you know, definitely might definitely have been impacted by the way that I watched it, you know, literally at the same time with a show that became my favorite. So I just mean that if you've watched this show and you totally loved it and I start waffling on and being like, meh, about some parts of it, I wouldn't worry too much. Like it, it was kind of timing for me in saying that, I don't know that I felt this one was totally perfect. Um, For me, I felt like the start was riveting. It felt like um, the way that I've kind of got this in my head now is like a, a sandwich. Like the start was really like meaty and high stakes and I was riveted it was really exciting the setup and the concept of what the show was going to be like I was so into it I loved it I really liked the characters Um, but it felt very high stakes really dangerous world very interesting and then I felt when the drama kind of got going properly it kind of was different to what I expected when it got set up I really felt like we were in for this you know, kind of action heavy, high stakes kind of ride with a lot more, you know, like kind of palace intrigue in the way that, you know, our main character is the crown prince and could die at any moment. So I thought it would be very much more about that kind of stuff. But in the end, when the drama gets going properly... It was a lot sweeter and much more swoony and romantic and kind of beautiful and shiny than I expected. So it, it has a slower pace, I felt, for quite a few episodes because it almost becomes this very shiny, beautiful youth romance, um, which was still really good. Like, I really enjoyed it, but it was a little bit gentler than I think what I was expecting um, pacing wise. And that wasn't a problem, except that I was, you know, basically every Saturday and Sunday, I was watching The Red Sleeve and sinking into that and couldn't get it out of my head and was obsessed. And then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I was watching King's Affection and I was like, oh, this is nice. And then as soon as the episode finished, I'd start thinking about The Red Sleeve again. So I've got to say, even though I really enjoyed The King's Affection quite a lot, actually, um, it's a really good drama. But I didn't feel addicted while I was watching it. And I don't know, maybe that's the show. Maybe that's that slower pacing in the middle. Or maybe it's the fact that I was concurrently watching the best show ever that ever existed. Go watch The Red Sleeve. It's so good. <laughs> um And to get back to my sandwich analogy, the end of The King's Affection, I think, kind of matches up a lot more with the beginning in terms of these high stakes, these bloody battles, these, you know, really high stakes life or death situations that feel Very scary and real and like anything could happen as opposed to the middle where we've got stuff like our crown prince making it out with a man in public and being like, "Nah, don't worry about it. No one's going to see. Fucking everyone saw. Of course they saw, (laughs) and I was like, "Guys, be a bit more discreet." But they weren't, and they didn't. (laughs) I actually didn't mind that. I thought that was pretty funny. I actually quite enjoyed that bit. Anyway, so um, those are my general sort of overview thoughts of the King's Affection. Um, like I said, uh, the details, I guess, of this drama is that it's twenty episodes. I do kind of wonder if would have. I was going to say, would I have enjoyed it more if it'd been like, you know, more of a 16 episode runtime? I kind of feel like a lot of um, historical dramas are longer. They tend to go 20 episodes because, you know, they have these sort of big sweeping plots to fit into 20 episodes. A lot of palace intrigue or, you know, fighting battles, that kind of stuff. And this show was actually a lot gentler than all of that, which was kind of a surprise to me. A lot more of it actually circled around the quiet sort of building romance um, between these two, which was very swoony and I really liked it. Um, But it did make me wonder, you know, that maybe I wonder if it if the pacing might have been helped a little bit by it being only 16 episodes instead of 20. But at the same time saying that, who knows, like I was on a red sleeve trip, so I don't know if anything could have kind of bridge that gap for me at the point that I just happened to be watching this show. And I might have felt super differently about this one if I'd watched it at a different time. It was really interesting to me just because while I was watching the Red Sleeve, uh there I was watching like two other um, you know, historicals at the same time. And sometimes I think it's better to watch one at a time, right? <laughs> so you're not just constantly comparing. Um, but at the same time. I couldn't fucking help myself and this is how I am and I get too greedy and when K-dramas come out and I want to watch them, I just can't help myself. I start watching them and that's what I did. Which brings me to my next point, why I watched it. Uh, So The King's Affection was a K-drama club watch for me, which was one that I watched with my friend Lizzie and then we chatted about it um, after, you know, each week after the episodes when we watched it. Um... Uh, But to be honest, I was going to watch this one anyway. So it wasn't a real like out of left field pick. I had my eyes on it from the very second that it was announced with the concept. Um, Like I said, I cannot go past a story, particularly a historical story with a girl pretending to be a boy. I just love it. Um, So I was always going to watch this one. I also really loved the casting, so I was well into it. Um, So onto the topic of the casting. So the female lead in this drama is played by the actress Park Eun-bin. So Park Eun-bin plays, well, she plays a woman who has to pass as a man and also happens to be the fucking crown prince of Joseon Korea. This is a historical drama, obviously. Um, She was amazing in this. Like, I really think her performance was incredible. I liked it so much. Um, She had a lot of kind of, what do you want to say, like weight and gravitas to like the way that she spoke and her commanding presence, um, which is, I thought, done really well because she, you know, she's not a big woman. She's a very, very small little lady standing next to, you know, the male lead in this, Roan, who's fucking enormous. And yet she still had a lot of presence. You know, she really did feel like she was the important one in the room. She was the one that everyone should listen to. So yeah, I thought she was wonderful. So um, the actress Parkin-Bin Has been in quite a few different K-dramas, but I have to say that personally, I took notice of her when I watched the 2016 drama called Hello, My Twenties, which is also known as something else too. Something about youth. Something youth. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, So she was in both seasons of Hello, My Twenties. So Hello, My Twenties, season one, 2016, and then season two in 2017. And I have to say, if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't watched Hello, My Twenties, it is a wonderful, wonderful show. And um, the actress Parkin Bin just super stood out. Like she was so good, particularly personally for me in the second season where I felt like her whole storyline, I was obsessed with it. It was amazing. Um, Hello, My 20s is like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like a, it's not like a rom-com, but it's sort of got romance elements, but it's more of a drama. Like it feels quite deep and emotional at times. Um, And it's about, I don't know, four or five girls who basically live together in a share house and have to get over their differences and all have different, you know, things going on in their lives and different love lines and romances and, It is so good. It's absolute gold. If you haven't watched it, at least give it a try. And if, you know, with that many main characters, there'll be someone whose storyline you'll get obsessed with. Um, I really, really loved it. Anyway, I'll stop plugging Hello My Twenties, but seriously, what a good show. Um, So this actress, Parkin Bin, was also in a whole bunch of other shit that I haven't seen. Um, Hot Stove League in 2019. um, I haven't seen that one, but that was quite a popular show. Um, And then in 2020 what in 2020, this drama came out. That doesn't sound right. Uh, was, do you like Brahms? Oh, I guess that does sound right. I'm getting my years mixed up. What year is it right now? I don't even know. (laughs) Anyway. Um, do you like Brahms is a drama that I feel like that one probably like one of those dramas that you don't expect to, but kind of blows up and people were talking about that one a lot. Um, I have actually not watched it, <laughs> but I have been told many, many, many times that it is amazing and that I should watch it, um, but I haven't. Uh, and then obviously King's Affection, and she's got other casting stuff. So yeah, I thought Park and Bin was amazing in this, um, just really, really good. Uh, so next in the casting is the actor Roon. He is the male lead in this drama. Um, so I've never known how to pronounce his name, but if I see it in Hangul, it's actually Roon. Ro-un. Okay, Uh, so he is a K-pop man, and he is, like, crazy pretty. Oh my gosh, everyone in this drama is so beautiful to look at. Like, it's actually a bit insane. (laughs) I was like, whoa, like just it's a lot, but in a good way, a lot. Um, But yes, very pretty. So Raun, I kind of um, first noticed him. He'd actually had some, I think, side roles before this, but he was in the 2019 youth drama, kind of youth fantasy drama, Extraordinary You, which was one of my favorite dramas of 2019. I absolutely loved it. And I loved him in it. He was so good. Um, so since then, he's kind of had a few, I think, more cameo stuff. And then into uh, 2021, he was in She Would Never Know, also known amazingly as Sunbei. Don't put on that lipstick. Best title ever, of course. And he started in that one with Won jin I watched half of it. I didn't quite get through it, but I did think he did a good job in it. And then obviously The King's Affection in 2021. So Rowan is... I really like him. You know, what's, what's not to like. He's good. He's, I think he's very, very charming. He's ridiculously pretty. Um, I really liked him in this drama. I thought he did a great job. He's like, he's not someone that I would specifically, I think when I think about it, I don't think I'd specifically watch a drama just because he was in it. Um, but I think I would be very pleased to see him cast in something that I was interested in because yeah, He's very, very likable. Uh, so the second male lead in King's Affection is played by, I think, much more of a newcomer, um, so an actor called Nam Yoon Soo. So this was my first time ever seeing Nam Yoon Soo, and he looks like he just debuted in, like, 2020. So he's, like, a super, super recent dude. Um, his first drama was Extra Curricular. Again, a drama I have not seen that everyone tells me is amazing. Uh, he's also in some drama called Birth Care Center, which I literally have no idea what that is, which is crazy. Um, And weirdly enough, I didn't know, but recently I started watching the 2021 kind of crime mystery drama called Beyond Evil with Yojingu. And um, this guy, second male lead Nam Yoon Soo, is also in Beyond Evil. He has, like, you know, more of a side role. I'm only just started Beyond Evil, though, so I don't know if it's a big role or a teeny tiny role. Um, But he's very different in that. It's very interesting, Um, you know, which is what actors are meant to do. They're meant to act. (laughs) Did you know that? I did. I knew that. Uh, Anyway, I found him very charming in this. He's kind of ridiculous. Like he's just got mad dimples and this insane smile. I'm um, very handsome, very nice, very charming like a little bit of a scene stealer, I suppose. I quite liked him. Um, And then there's some more, um, you know, people in this that I won't go into so much depth, Um, but there's like a random bodyguard dude um, played by an actor called Che Byung-chan, who's someone that I don't recognize, hadn't seen before. Um, He was really good, but he literally just stands around in the background and doesn't say anything and fights some people sometimes. And everyone's always like, he's the best swordsman in Joseon. And then like every time he fights, he loses. And I was like, hang on, drama. Are you sure he's the best swordsman in Joseon? But I guess he was fighting like a, a Chinese swordsman. So maybe that's why he lost within like literally one second. But anyway, that's fine. Um, I, I liked him. He was good. And then there's two other kind of side roles played uh, by the actress Bae yun Gong and also another actress called Jong Taeon. And personally, they were barely in the drama. They're literally on all the posters. They're all like, look at these two women that are in this drama. And I watch the drama and I'm like, are these two women in this drama? <laughs> like they're basically cameo roles. I thought they're barely in it. Um, which doesn't matter. That's fine. Whatever. So that's the casting of King's Affection. Um, so should you watch it? Should you watch King's Affection? Um, Yeah, I think so. I think this one's worth your time. I think it's kind of got some of that shiny youth romance feel to it. Um, So if you are, you know, you just say you're interested in the whole girl dresses as a boy stuff and you're interested in, I don't know, Rowan's pretty face or, you know, Park Eun-bin's pretty face and you just want some good romance um, with that sort of trope. Or maybe you're, you know, you don't mind historicals, but historicals aren't like madly your thing. Um, I think this one's very light on the politics and all that kind of serious, you know, saga kind of stuff and is a little bit more youth romance So I think it's very, very um, accessible, I want to say. It's not like one of those really mad, like complicated sort of political shows, I suppose which I love those kind of shows, but I also love these sort of, you know, King's Affection, more, more romance focused stuff as well. That's very swoony and shiny and everyone's beautiful. Like I totally enjoy this kind of stuff. Um, so I think if any of that sounds appealing to you, I think this is a really, really great one to try. I think it's almost like, it feels like a, you know, like a Sagok entry level. (laughs) Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, I I found it a really charming and very beautiful watch. Um, like I had quibbles with it, but It's kind of funny, like nothing, like all my issues with the drama are sort of very mild, I suppose. Like I don't think I loved this show enough to rave about it, but I also didn't hate anything enough to rant about it either. Like it felt very middling and I just sort of thoroughly enjoyed myself the whole way through. And I, you know, I was invested and I did have moments of swoon or like, oh no, he's going to get his head chopped off or whatever. Um, so it's not like I wasn't invested or engaged either. Like, um, so yeah, I think, I think you can watch this one. I think it's a really, really nice drama. I think if this sounds like you are saying Absolutely. Watch it. It's lovely. All right, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit, try, try to tell you a little bit about King's Affection. Okay, so a little bit of the story and setup of King's Affection. So the drama opens with a childhood section because, obviously, it does that all (laughs) historicals do this. Um, I really liked it. It's, um, it was, it was actually a lot more intense than I expected, because I think with the promos, I actually thought this drama was just going to be, you know, a swoony, shiny youth romance. And then it opens with like an absolute wallop to the face. The first, like the section with the childhood actors is intense. Like it's really, really dark stuff. It goes a lot further in terms of like, scary stuff than I expected. Um, I'm talking about murder and dead bodies. <laughs> I was really kind of shocked. Um, which, but I really liked it. Like I was there for it. I was like, wow, like that really surprised me. I was along for that ride. And it really sets up the stakes for, you know, when our main character grows up in, in that, in that it gives you this deep understanding of how utterly dangerous this main woman, our main female leads world is when she grows up and how, how much she needs to protect her identity and how utterly dead she is going to be if anyone finds out her secret like um so i think this the start of this drama is so impactful and it works so well um i actually loved it i thought it was great So it kind of opens uh, with this queen, um, you know, queen of Joseon. She is having some babies and she thinks she's having one baby, but she has two babies. So she has twins. And immediately the palace finds out that she's had twins. She's had a girl and a boy. And oh, she's not the queen. She's a princess. So she's married to the crown prince at the time. And the old king is still alive. So the old king, um, you know, he finds out that his daughter in law has had twins, a girl and a boy. And he's like, "Ugh, gross. I don't want a crown prince or king who's shared a womb with a woman. He'll be weak because he's, you know, a dickhead or whatever. <laughs> or, you know, an old school, old school Joseph man. Um, and so he says to his son, who's the crown prince, who, of course, is the father of the twins and the old king's like, son, fucking kill that little baby. And so the son's kind of like, he's like, oh, oh, do I want to? Mm, don't think so. But he kind of does. And he's, you know, he just sort of goes along with it. Because as we all know, if you've watched any historicals, uh, it's very, very hard for, um, Kings to really have their own power at any point. They've always got someone who tells them what to do. Um, So anyway, he kind of just goes along with it. He doesn't really do it, but he doesn't stop it either. He doesn't fight his father and he lets this happen. His wife, however, the princess is like, "Mm, fuck no. And so what she does is she finds some old doctor guy or whatever who has like an old needle. I don't know. And then they stab up the girl baby's neck and she, it's like this thing. I think it's like a poison that makes her seem as if she's dead. Um, And so everyone comes in to make sure that she really has, you know, been killed. And they're keeping this really quiet. They don't want anyone outside, I don't know, the palace or this area to know that this has happened because they feel like it's going to, in the future, undermine the power that the boy son will have as he grows up to take over ruling the country. And they think it could cause a lot of problems to, I guess, his succession in the future. Um, so they stab up this little baby with the needle and the baby it looks like it's dead, and you know the baddies come in and check and of course the person who's organizing all of this is um the the princess, so the mother's dad, so the mother's dad is this dude called I don't know minister whatever <laughs> i will find his face in a second um oh, I should just find it now. I don't know he's like. I should have looked this up before. I just found um. I, I just I'll just say it now. So the the reason I'll, I'll have a look. Oh my gosh, what am I trying to say? There is a little actress in this who plays like the young girl when she's I don't know how old she's meant to be, like ten or whatever um Chae Myung Bin and I just wanted to find her name on my cast list but there's so many people on this cast list that I'd scroll for ages so I'm gonna lose it once I move away um but Chae Myung Bin is the child actress who plays you know the girl twin and the boy twin when they're children uh so anyway she's amazing that's why I wanted to mention her name so we have Minister Han there we go <laughs> So Minister Han is sort of one of the big baddies of this drama, and he is, um, you know, our main character, our female lead's grandfather. So his daughter is this princess who's giving birth to these twins, and he is very much on board with the old king. He's like, yep, let's murder this baby my grandchild that baby yes and he you get the impression that he's very much a puppet master he has a lot of power behind the scenes which is potentially again why the actual crown prince doesn't really feel like he can go against any of this like i think the crown prince is very much not a powerful crown prince at this point Um, so the mother's obviously very upset and she hides all this from her father and her father. And, you know, the father's sort of lackey, who is like his, you know, little bodyguard guard man. Um, they come in and check and they reckon the baby's dead. And so it's all good. And it's over. And they're like, yay. But meanwhile, the mother smuggles this girl baby out of the palace with the help of a different palace guard, who's obviously her friend and a few, you know, very, very few people who know about this whole thing at all. Um, and I can't remember, but I feel like probably there was some murdering done of anyone who'd heard about it all or whatever. Um, and so then we kind of skip forward and it's many years later and now our main character, so the little girl baby, um, her name in the drama is Yi Hui. So Hui, uh, but Hui, I think is actually the name of the brother. So at this point she's called something else that I can't remember. (laughs) I'm doing such a good job of explaining this, right? So anyway, I'm just going to call her Hui. So Hui is now like she's 10 or 11 or 12 or 15. I don't know. (laughs) She's some sort of age. (laughs) And for whatever reason, she ends up coming back into the palace. I don't think she really wanted to, but she grew up in um, like a monastery, very sequestered away. And she ends up back in the palace as like a laundry maid. Um, And so while she's in there, you know, she kind of comes across the crown prince, So this is her twin brother, also played by the same little actress who plays, you know, Hui. Um, This actress was, she's so young. She was amazing, like absolutely amazing playing the boy version and the girl version, you know, not version, but the brother and sister. Um, She felt so different when she played her brother that she really did feel like this boy with this power who had, you know, (laughs) been brought up and educated to be a crown prince. Um, But anyway, so the crown prince sees Hui and is like, oh my gosh, like we literally have the same face. And the crown prince kind of, you know, for fun at first starts dressing her up in his clothes and seeing if, you know, this works, if people, you know, she can kind of sit in his room, and he gets to go piss off and actually do some stuff that he wants to do. Um, but there's some problems going on in that his old teacher, for political reasons, has been sort of struck down, marked as a traitor, and is going to get, um, you know, attacked. Uh, not attacked, like <laughs> executed. <laughs> um, that's not funny, is it? Sorry. <laughs> Gosh, I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, so anyway, his old master's about to get executed out, you know, in in the city. So he really wants to run off and save him. And so Hui, um, sorry, not Hui, the bloody, the crown prince wants to go save his master or at least see him before this master dies. And so he begs Hui to dress up as him and just sit in the palace while he's gone. And this has happened quite a few times up until this point. Um, And so the crown prince runs off dressed as a girl and he goes out and he, you know, sees what's happening with his master, and his master just gets murdered. Um, And basically that's the end of that until a lot later in the drama. Um, But the crown prince gets chased. So what's happened meanwhile is, of course, you know, evil Minister Han has seen... Or kind of heard rumors and found out that this girl is back. So he started realizing what's going on and he realizes that his daughter has lied to him and kept this little girl baby alive all these years. And if this comes to light publicly, that not only does she exist, but the royal family tried to murder their own child. Like it's this huge problem in terms of their power. And it also means that he didn't do his job well enough back then as well. Um, and he doesn't want the king to find out about it either. Um, So he basically orders his lackey to go off and murder Hui. But of course, at this point, when this happens, Hui is pretending to be the crown prince and sitting in the palace, and the person who's running around in the streets and looks like Hui is actually her twin brother. I was so shocked, but her twin brother gets murdered instead of Hui. So she survives, and the twin dies. I, I just, I really, I don't know why I didn't see that coming. Like, obviously I knew she was going to be the crown prince, but I just didn't think this drama had the feel of a drama that would be so dark and intense. And we see, you know, this little crown prince's body and it's so sad he gets brought back into the palace and his mother realizes what's happened. She like realizes that her son is dead. And now she's got, you know, there's a little girl who has never been you know, educated in the palace ways, in how to speak, in in how to be a prince or anything, but looks the part is all she has left. And it's so dangerous, but you totally understand why she basically goes up to her daughter, which is Hui, and is like, this is what's what, and you have to become your brother like you have to. And we see also these kind of teachings of this mother to her daughter that is very much like you protect yourself first. If anyone finds out your secret, they die. You become cold and, you know, icy and you do not let anyone in your heart because that is, you know, dangerous and will lead to your death. Like if anyone finds out your secret, you are dead. I am dead. Everyone who helped you is dead. Like the stakes are so high and the pressure on this poor little girl, Hui, is just immense. So I loved this setup. I thought it was so good. Um, And so, of course, you know, while all this very, very exciting, excellent, um, you know, cool setup is happening, I shouldn't say cool when I'm talking about children murders, but anyway... I did. <laughs> I didn't mean it though. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, Hui is also embarking on a first love romance, which of course is with the baby version of Ra'un, our male lead. So Rooon is the son of the, so Minister Han has an evil lackey and the evil lackey helps him do all his evil murdering. And this lackey happens to be Rooon's dad. Which of course is a bit of a conflict of interest, <laughs> um, and so Roan kind of comes into the palace and comes across her when she's still like you know a laundry maid basically, and he's a lot higher in station than her. But he, you know, they have a connection. They have all these like meet cutes. He like falls in a pond and nearly drowns, and she saves him. They go on a little date with some lanterns. Um, it's all really lovely, and he's very, very, very moved by her. You get the impression that he's. I don't want to say a wayward son by any means, but he's a kid. Like, he's a kid who's just having a good old kid time. But when he meets her and he hears some of the things that she says, he begins to change, I think, very much in in the things that he's thinking about around the world. Um, and he he kind of points him in a direction that's very different to probably what his destiny was going to be. You know, um, his, his dad is sort of high up, but not like crazy high up, but is obviously... Um, kind of creating channels, I suppose, for his son to rise, I think, a lot higher in the court than his dad ever has because he's, you know, in with this evil Minister Han and will get some favours and stuff. And you imagine that Rowan's character would have just sort of channeled that way. But because of this meeting with little Hui um, and hearing her kind of perspective on the world kind of lends him in a different direction. And he ends up being very or deciding basically because of what she said, that he wants to become a doctor that can help the poor and, you know, help people that don't have any help otherwise, which is very much not really what a noble man is meant to be doing. Because obviously, you know, we're talking about Joseon times and peasants and slaves and stuff, not necessarily thought of as, you know, worthy people to be cared for, particularly by everybody. Some people, I'm sure. But anyway, it's a, it's a pretty intense class system is what I'm saying. Um So anyway, I really liked their whole, you know, it's very sweet and cute, um, but it's very, very nice, I think. And then when Hui ascends the throne, you know, she she basically, she just can't see him anymore. She absolutely cannot. And there's a scene where he comes in to say, you know, to say hello to the crown prince and there's, um, but really it's we and there's a, you know, like a curtain between them and stuff. And she gives him this present, but she pretends that it was the laundry maid who gave it to the crown prince. And now she's passing it along and he's being sent to, um, to Ming, I think, is it Ming at this point to China to go and study, you know, do his international studies or whatever. Um, and so he's leaving and he doesn't know where this this laundry maid has gone. And he's really, really heartbroken. Um, And he's very, also very worried. He thinks something might have happened to her, but there's really nothing he can do. And he's getting, you know, sent off. So off he goes. Um, And then the drama kind of skips forward. Um, We see a little bit of maybe Hui's early life, you know, trying to be learning how to be a prince. And she has this cousin. Yes, he's her first cousin. Yes, they are biologically related to each other. Um, But this is the second male lead. (laughs) Ew! (laughs) But you know, it's different times back then. You just gotta, you gotta ride with these things. At least he wasn't the male lead. That's all I can say. If they, gosh, if they bring out a historical cousin drama between the main leads, I'll just be like, Anyway, back to the story. (laughs) So basically, You know, Hui's mum knows the truth, obviously, Um, so she's facilitated Hui to become the crown prince. Um, She has a, like, a head court maid who knows the truth, and she also has her, like, close eunuch, who's her personal eunuch man, who's a small child with the same age as her, who also knows the truth. Um, But that's really it. Um, But then, unbeknownst to Hui, her cousin, who, you know, is kind of her friend actually finds out the truth and we find out a lot later in the drama that he he finds that really quickly and he basically i think accidentally walks in on seeing um hui dressing and sees her like little boob strap or whatever and he's just like whoa but he never ever tells her and then we skip forward i don't know how many years a lot of years everyone's grown up so hui is now played by the actress Parkin bin and she's very very different person to who she used to be you know, he has listened to her mother's advice and she has been like forged into the most aloof, coldest, very scary young man, I guess, you know, she's playing the part of this cold young prince. So she's powerful. She's not a smiley person. She lets nobody close to her. And I guess as a kind of defense to not be friendly and not Make people think they can get close to her. She is also, I don't want to say cruel, but there's this element of her wanting people to fear her because fear is better than intrigue or curiosity or interest or any other emotion where someone feels like they want to know about her or want to get close to her. Like the stakes are very high. If she gets found out at this point after impersonating a prince for this long, she's just fucking dead. She's so dead. Um, so I loved this setup. And then the other really cool thing about this setup is that, so Hui is the crown prince. Her dad is, um, you know king now at this point of the drama and there's a lot of different political things going on like as there always is there's different kind of groups but the interesting thing is that evil minister han like as far as evil minister han knows hui is his grandson and the rightful heir to the throne and so evil minister han is on hui's side and things are very dangerous in the palace and realistically he is On her side, he's in her corner. He's the one backing her up when things are dangerous or not going well. And the reason that things are dangerous is because Hui's dad, like her mother, has died at this point, um, a few years earlier. And Hui's dad, of course, has you know another wife, as all Joseon kings had, a cabillion concubines and shit, and zillions of children. And you know her dad, the king's other wife, has had a son. So this son is a lot younger than Hui. But obviously if you have two princes in a court you're going to have different factions in you know, different political factions backing different princes, hoping that their prince will be the one to rise to get the throne. So things are very dangerous. He is the crown prince. He is destined to take over the throne, but that could change in an instant, you know, and and the drama really begins at this point with an assassination attempt on his life. So you feel like things are very, very precarious, which is why it's so interesting that evil minister Han is basically the person backing her up, him and his political family are backing her up. But as far as he's concerned, he is her absolute mortal enemy. You know, she knows for a fact that he murdered her brother. He might think that he murdered her, which is even worse, you know? So she hates him. He's her enemy. And yet there's all this, it's just such an interesting relationship, I think, between these two. And he owns her like he's he 's a powerful man, and so there 's all these points with her trying to push back a little bit on what he 's asking her to do and i don 't know I really like this kind of push and pull in their power dynamics and their relationship of you know enemy and friend and ally. It was a very interesting thing that. I could have even done with a little bit more of that. Um, I feel it felt like it was very present at the start of the drama, but then maybe when the romance kicks off, it's more focused on that than this kind of stuff. And I guess I am don't know why I'm a bit of a fan of that sort of interesting palace intrigue stuff. I think it's pretty fun. So anyway, um, so Hui's biological cousin who's very closely related to her. The second male lead is now played by the actor Nam Yoon Soo. So Yi is his character. And Yi we realize very quickly at the start of the drama, is completely in love with her. At this point, we have no idea that he knows that she's a girl. We just realize that she's got this biologically related cousin who's just like standing way too close, like looking at her way too long, like real swoony kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) He's like absolutely, clearly, completely into her. So I liked all that stuff. Um, And then when you find out that he does know her secret, but he's never said anything for years and years and years. And he just sort of like quietly protects her and looks after her and does everything he can to help her. And, you know, if someone slights her, he's just like, he goes off. He gets so angry and at times very scary, which is a very interesting thing. Because this actor, he's just like, He has an absolutely killer smile and the maddest dimples ever. But he's also like, I feel, carries himself like a man who knows that he has like mad dimples and a very charismatic smile. And so he's just constantly grinning in this drama. He's just grinning at everybody. And I'm like, I feel like this man knows that like his smile is a good feature on his face. (laughs) So part of me was like, hmm. And then the other part of me was like, I don't know. This is great. I really like it. He looks great. Um, but I did really enjoy the parts where he's like threatening someone, but he has this big, like, you know, charismatic killer smile on his face while he's doing it and like real cold eyes. And I was like, Ooh, that's a bit chilling. I really liked it. So I actually really, really liked Eon in this drama. I don't know if he gets a lot to do, but then whenever he was on screen and actually doing something, I just found him utterly charming. And, I mean, I wouldn't say that I had second male lead syndrome because he's literally her biological cousin. (laughs) And I was like, "Mm." but I do feel like that's a trope that I'm super into, you know, just the unrequited secret love from afar, like, you know, loving her, but she has no idea. Like, I don't know. That's a trope that I can never seem to pass up. And probably particularly when, you know, the dude loving her from afar has, you know, a madly charismatic smile and very intense dimples, but whatever. So yeah, I really liked him. Uh, I don't know what the point of all that was. I feel like I got on a sidetrack. Uh, so anyway, um, Rowan, I guess, comes back. Oh, gosh, I can't even remember. How do they meet again? I think he comes back from his studies. He's, like, done really well over there. Um, and he, you know, his dad basically is um, trying to pave a way for him to get into the palace. Oh, I do remember now. Right. So Hui has this assassination attempt while she's out hunting and she kind of gets... I mean, I'm not really sure why she did this, but <laughs> so basically um, her evil, I'm pretty sure he's her uncle. So her uncle is like, you know, just a complete nutcase, basically. I hated this dude. Um, And he, they're out hunting and he like puts his arrow on her and she doesn't see. And then he shoots the arrow and then it, it shoots through her top knot, like her little crown top knot thing. And her hair goes flying and, you know, she looks beautiful. And he's like, huh, she looked like a woman right then. And I'm like, but all the dudes have long hair because this is Joseon times. I don't know what he was on about, but it's fine. And so we, instead of being like, you know, I think she gets hurt as well. Like, uh, she gets her arm um, sort of arrowed a little bit too. And instead of her being like, right, I'm going to go back to, um, to base camp and like sort out this shit and get someone to do my top knot back up, she's like, oh shit, I better run off into the woods and like take off all my clothes (laughs) and let down my beautiful hair. And I was like, right, right. Okay, sure. Um, And again, I I didn't really mind it, but I'm not entirely sure what she was doing. Um, I think the idea was like her disguise was gone and she had to go and like clean herself up so she could go back. But I'm like, but it's just her hair. I mean, all the men have long hair, so whatever. Um, but anyway, she goes to this like little lake and she's sitting there and it's very beautiful. And there's like little flowers and she's, you know, kind of mainly undressed in this kind of sheer little pajama outfit or whatever. And you can see her little strap thing. And of course, she looks very beautiful, and then Rowoon turns up and he's like, um, so by this time he's come back from his, his studies and he's um, just living in town and, and he's running like a little doctor thing for the poor or whatever with two of his good mates. And then um, he's out collecting herbs or whatever, which I don't think he's meant to be doing because this is like, I think it's like the king's land or something, I'm not really sure. Anyway, he sees her and he's like, Whoa, who's this very pretty lady? And they have, you know, a moment where I think she kind of attacks him. <laughs> (laughs) actually, a little bit. And she's a very good fighter, but he's also a very good fighter. So, And also she's very small and he's very, very big. So it kind of goes pretty well for her, but not fully well. And then the guards turn up and so they end up running off together. He thinks that she must be a court maid and they end up like to get away from all these people who are chasing them because they're not meant to be there. They end up jumping off this cliff into the water. And when Rowan wakes up, she's gone. I'm pretty sure she saves him and then just leaves him on a beach or whatever. So he's very, very struck by this whole experience of this very beautiful woman in the woods who was angry and tried to murder him. And then they jumped off a cliff together. Um, And then, you know, meanwhile, she's sort of limping back to try and, you know, get back with everyone. And this is when, you know, Lee Hon, so the second male lead, kind of turns up and there's an assassination attempt again, which I guess is how she got hurt. Anyway, I can't remember. Um, And this is when you start, like, it's just something a bit off with uh, Lee Hon, the second male lead, when he first turns up, because he's just all in her face. And you're like, he just like, it's not like, I don't know, there's clearly emotion there in terms of how he feels about her. And at this point, you just don't know what's going on or why. Um, so I kind of like that. I liked that sort of like just trying to figure out what the relationship was on his side, because he just seemed to be more than friends with her, even though she just seems very like brotherly with him or whatever. Um, and so Rowan then, you know, his, his dad, who's, um, you know, the evil lackey or whatever, um, basically shuts down his business, gets him in a lot of trouble, um, kidnaps and threatens to murder his two, you know, little mates who work in his place with him. And he just gets blackmailed basically into going into the palace to be Hui's tutor. So he turns up into the palace. Uh, he doesn't really want to be there, but he's also does a really good job. It's not like he's slacking off or anything. And she recognizes him immediately. And he sort of recognizes her as well. This is what's really interesting about this drama that I'll probably discuss later. But you, at first I was like, oh, he kind of knows it's her. Like he he knew that that was a woman that he saw, you know, because he sees her little boobstrap thing. So he knows for sure. And he's seeing her again now, you know, we as crown prince and it's, it's her, it's the same face. And at first he's like, hang on. And then she's just shuts him down hardcore. And she's, you know, playing the role of this very icy cold, very scary commanding prince. And so immediately he's like, oh, shit, uh, mistake, mistake, I'm in a mistake. But you feel like there's this seed of like, he kind of knows, but he sort of doesn't as well. So I could never kind of figure out, I kept wondering how he felt about this. um, And so from there, you know, he just tries to get rid of him as her tutor. She wants him gone because he saw her face and he basically needs to stay because uh, his dad's got, you know, his two little friends um, in a prison or whatever somewhere. Um, And then, you know, little by little, they fall in love. And, you know, obviously they're, you know, she knows who he is as well, you know, when he gets introduced as him being her first love. And you get the impression that she has been you know, holding very tight on her emotions for a very, very long time. And at first she's very cold to him, she doesn't let him in but also he's her first love. He's this person who's been living in her memories as her last sort of joyful experience before she had to take on this role and live in this very dark, suffocating world that's so strict and awful where she lives now. And since then, she's known nothing but loss, you know, a mother dying, a brother dying, like it's been so painful for her. And so I think it must be I mean, it must shake her up so much to see him again, Um, even though she's not planning on doing anything. And at first, I'm pretty sure she was trying to shoot him with a big arrow, <laughs> but whatever. All right. So, you know, you can imagine where it goes from then. Um, Just lots of them, you know, falling in love and a bit of palace intrigue and, and a few stab him up battles. Um, So all very good fun. Um, All right. So I'm going to go into some stuff that I loved now. <laughs> Alrighty, so stuff that I loved about King's affection. Um, I loved her. I loved both the childhood version performance and the adult version performance of Hui. Um, I just thought oh, I thought both actresses did such an excellent job of making me believe that it was possible that this was happening in the world, that that people could really, you know, think that this was a boy and a man and I just I just thought they did so well. Such particularly, I guess, Hui when she grows up too. She's so different. She's so imposing and cold and, um, kind of severe and commanding. And I just thought the performance was really, really great. I also um, read that in an interview, the actress Park and Bin, you know, they're kind of asking her in the interview why she chose this role. And I think she said something like, um, you know, in her career, she'll have plenty more opportunities to act in a historical drama, but will she ever get another chance to play a king? And I was like, that's such a badass sort of answer. Like, it totally makes sense. Like, how could you turn down a role like this? It's a very unique kind of role. Um. So yeah, I just thought she was wonderful and I loved her. Um. I also really loved Rowan in this as well. Um. He's, you know, she's so cold and commanding and severe. And of course, it kind of immediately makes it so that if you're making a romance, you're going to cast Roan as, you know, this very, like, he's a total sweetheart. He's so sweet. He's very gentle. Like, he's huge compared to her, but he's so, seems so gentle and soft and sweet. And I thought it was really fun what that kind of then... I guess that warmth that he has in this cold, icy, commanding, sort of more masculine feel, I suppose, that she has immediately kind of paints their romance. Um, and I guess the kind of stereotypical gender roles that we see in romances on TV, like if you're watching, you know, a man-woman romance... Traditionally, you know, she's the soft one and he's the hard one, and I just kind of liked the way this drama really played with those, you know, kind of silly stereotypes that we're very used to seeing, and had all these like kind of fun reversals in everything, like to the point where, you know, Roone, his character is Jiun, Jiun, Jiun. I'm gonna say Jion. So his character, Rowan's character, Jion. Uh, you know, he's running around with like a flower stuck behind his ear, or always like you know thinking about getting flowers for her, and there's this sweetness to everything he does when he's thinking about her. You know, he's daydreaming, he's doing all this kind of like swooning over her when she's not around, um, and you know, even to the point where he's the one who falls over and she's the one who grabs him. You know, like in one of those what do they call those little like. I don't know what they call those. Like, you know, where he where he's falling down and she grabs him and is like leaning over him, their face is real close. And then she just drops him. It's all very funny and quite charming. And I liked it. I liked just the fun sort of reversals, I suppose. And I thought um their romance was very, very sweet. Um, I also thought Rowan was I thought he was really good. Like just like I said, this this warmth to him, you know, he's very pretty, he's very charming, but there was a bit of depth to him as well, I think. And particularly at points in the drama, he has to, you know, he has to do some sort of like, you know, battle scenes and get out his sword and be a bit, you know, protect people and be a bit scary. And I thought he did a really good job of kind of slipping between those personas with this character. And I liked the idea that, that, you know, someone can be all of those things. Like you can be a total sweetheart who's soft as hell. And then you can turn around and, you know, stab someone up with your sword. <laughs> I don't know why I liked that, but I did. I like just, I guess that he's a bit more of a complex character. Um, and very confident, I suppose, in him being so soft and sweet, which I liked as well. Um, so what else? Okay. So I've got here, I loved just the sheer beauty of this drama, honestly, like the people, everyone in this is gorgeous, like so gorgeous to look at on, on my screen. I loved it. Their clothes. I think the colors, there was something about the colors felt very, I don't know if it was like saturated, but just very bright, you know, everyone just looked beautiful all the time with their clothes. And I think the shots and the outdoor shots and the indoor, like it was a very, very beautiful drama filled with very, very beautiful people. Uh, So just got it written, but kind of what I said, you know, very swoony and sweet. Um, And I think for me personally, very unexpectedly sweet. Um, So that would be the romance particularly um, was very, very sweet and swoony much more than I think I expected after that much more, you know, intense sort of, um, scary opening with small children dying in every direction. And then we got this very shiny, beautiful, sweet romance, um, that I really, really enjoyed. I thought it was lovely. Um, I've written again. Everyone in this is so crazy, gorgeous, so shiny, so pretty. <laughs> um, so there's a bodyguard in this who I quite liked. I don't know if he has like a madly big role, but, um, and I, you know, kind of didn't notice him for some of it. And then, you know, he when he gets a few things to do in the drama, I was like, oh yeah, like he's, he's pretty good. I like him. So that was fun. Also, I just love that kind of like silent bodyguard in the background thing. I feel like that always is really fun for me. Um, so I really, really liked the second male lead. Um, basically all that stuff I said before dimples, <laughs> smile. Um, but I have to say like, just, yeah, silently loving her and, trying to help her and kind of, you know, it always breaks my heart seeing a second male lead, having to deal with watching, you know, the love that they've been pining over since forever kind of, um, you know, move away from them. It's always really heartbreaking. But I also feel that the general, you know, in these dramas, when there's a second male lead like that, they always passive, I suppose, when it comes to the romance. And I feel like the drama always has this thing of like, you know, you got to act, you got to do something if you want to love this person. But at the same time, I feel like Ihon, so the second male lead, was way more responsible in his romantic intentions than Rowan's character, Jiun. Like, Ihon is like, right, she's a woman. I'm completely desperately in love with her, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not even going to tell her because then she might start acting weird around me. Um, I'm going to just help her in every chance I get and also, you know, not say anything because that might expose her and get her fucking murdered and then gion's just basically like right i love this person am i gonna hit on them very publicly stare at them with love in my eyes very very publicly start some rumors very publicly um and you know let some people see us kissing and get my love murdered and he's like cool and i was like all right cool (laughs) I didn't really mind, but I thought it was, um, interesting. Um, so what else? Oh, the concept and the setup, I just thought was gold. Like how she gets into this position of being crown prince and then king. I just loved, I loved seeing her get backed into this corner, um, particularly with, you know, minister, uh, Han and her dad and all these different moving parts that back her into this corner. Were just like, it just made me so excited to see what the drama was going to do with this setup, because I loved it so much. And it felt like there was so much potential in this idea. I thought it was just such a cool idea for a show. Um, oh, So I've written here, Oh, which is pretty much what I said, but my literal favorite bit in the whole show it isn't really but i really really enjoyed this part so the second male lead eon finally kind of catches on that his best mate gion is hitting on the king and there you know something's going on here and so eon basically takes gion aside and is like look i also happen to know that the king is a woman and I also happen to be completely in love with her. You remember that time I talked about my unrequited love Well, this is her, but also I'm not going to do anything because it might get her killed. And he doesn't tell Jion to back off exactly, but he's basically saying, do you see why I'm not doing anything about this? Like, do you see? I'm trying to like keep her alive. And Jion's like, right. Yes, definitely. I won't do anything to harm her for sure don't worry about it and then literally the next scene he goes off finds her they're standing in the middle of the palace in the middle of an open courtyard at night an open courtyard with pathways going in every direction and then he kisses her he starts kissing her in public and his dad literally walks past at that exact moment and sees them making out and i was like Dion dion did you not listen to what the second male lead, Lee said? And why didn't you listen? It made me laugh so hard because it was just literally like the first thing he does after getting warned to be careful is he's like, I'm going to kiss her in public. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. I really liked it. That's why it's on my stuff I loved part, even though it was actually really silly. (laughs) It was a really silly plot, plot thing. It was very silly. Um, all right. So that's kind of, I mean, there's heaps of stuff I loved, but I think that that's the main thing. And what I wanted to quickly talk about before I end my stuff I love section is because the thing that I probably love the most about this whole thing or this drama and this idea around this kind of drama is that trope, you know, the trope of a woman who dresses as a boy and cannot get discovered or she will be in big trouble. I love it. It's such a good trope. It was really interesting to me because I was on Patreon and I was just talking about like, you know, what I've, um, I just pressed something weird, Um, but just talking about like what I've been watching lately and stuff and had mentioned that I'd watched King's Affection. And it was interesting. So one of my lovely listeners, Barris B, actually commented and he was saying, you know, this is a trope that he also loves. Like he just cannot go past this trope. And It was interesting because he started sort of interrogating, like, why? What what started him loving this trope? Um, Because, and I was like, why? I've never really thought about that. I always just think, oh, I just love it. It's just something that I love. I'll, I'll always watch something that has this kind of idea in it. But Barris B actually said, so he reckons there's two reasons that got him started. So, or two, you know, media stories. One was an Italian kind of fairy tale movie series from the 1990s. Um, I'm not going to try and say it in Italian because I do not have any Italian, Um, but the English title is Cave of the Golden Rose. So I kind of looked up about it and it looks pretty epic, you know, girl dressing in armor as a boy going out to fight or whatever. And he said also Disney's Milan, which I'm pretty sure is also 90s. So it made me think a lot about like, why do I love this trope so much? Because I really do. And actually, I think it's probably, Mulan for me as well. Um, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Disney. Um, I feel like I still am, but particularly that, you know, that set of Disney movies that came out in the 90s and, you know, started with The Little Mermaid and then on from there. And Mulan was always my favorite, like my favorite, favorite Disney movie. Always. And I never even thought about it because after Mulan, you know, and I didn't discover K-dramas for many, many, many years until I was a lot older than when I, you know, back when I was watching Mulan, like every fucking two minutes. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, I guess I never really saw anything else that used that trope. And I think in Western kind of stories, and that's all I was really exposed to, you know, growing up was Western movies and stuff, um, American movies, particularly um, American TV shows. I didn't really come across that trope ever again. And then when I started watching Korean dramas, obviously, um, there's a lot of dramas that have this kind of story. I'm obviously told in very different frameworks and different ways. Um and I guess I wanted to talk about some of those because I have seen quite a few now. And it makes me think. I feel like there's kind of two ways to tell this story. Um, there usually is a romance involved. Um, even in Mulan, there's like, you know, it's there, um, which is very subtle and beautiful, and I love it. Oh. Anyway, uh, so there is the trope where she's dressing as a boy, but he has no idea that she's a girl. So, you know. He has no idea that this person that he's falling in love with is actually a woman and he thinks that he's falling in love with a man. So that's one way to tell this story. And the other way is that he finds out her true identity before other people around them and he has to help her keep it a secret while falling in love with her. Um, So I wanted to go through a few dramas that I think use one or the other of these kind of two tropes. So uh, the first one and one of the most famous K-dramas that uses the you know, girl dressing as a boy trope is Coffee Prince. So this one's from 2007 and stars the actor Gong Yu and also the actress Yoon eun Hair. So Yoon eun Hair did an amazing job. Like it is a contemporary set drama. And so she has to pretend to be a modern boy. Um, and this one was crazy famous. I don't know how it would hold up. Like it's been a very long time. Um, since I watched this, I probably watched it, I don't know, 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's a very interesting one, because Gong Yu's character absolutely falls in love with Yunnan He's, you know, this man that she's pretending to be, um, And he's very conflicted about it, and he really doesn't know how he feels, but he falls in love with a man. And it very much explores that dynamic, I suppose. Um, so another one that's the same is Song Song Guan Scandal, which came out in 2010. This drama stars Park Min Yong, Park Yu Chun, and You Are In. So this drama, let me try and pronounce it again. Sangyong Kwan, Scandal. Uh, I think it was my first ever historical drama that I ever watched. And this one is, you know, Park Min-young's character is, wants to go to university. She wants to learn. She wants to, um, you know, kind of engage in a world that as a woman, she's not allowed to. So she pretends to be a boy and she goes on in. I'm going to tell you right now, Park Min-young is, she looks like a woman. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. And back then, I guess she was young and she had a very beautiful round She just looks like a woman and I don't know why people in that drama couldn't tell that this was a woman, but of course they couldn't because it was the world of the drama. And again, the male lead falls in love with her and thinks that he's falling in love with a man and feels very confused and conflicted because he doesn't really know what to do about it. Um, so on the flip side, then we have a drama called You're Beautiful, which came out in 2009. This one stars Park Shin Hye and Jung Gun Suk. And it's like a K-pop kind of, you know, idol group. And uh, Park Shin Hye has to pretend to be her twin brother who's in a K-pop group um, to, you know, so he doesn't lose his place in this little group or whatever. So she has to pretend to be a boy and fool all the band members. All the band members, I'm pretty sure, find out really quickly and all fall in love with her. Um, but it's really fun. It's really cute. It's probably quite old. It's from 2009. Very famous drama when it came out. Very buzzy. Um, but again, you know, I'm pretty sure Jang sook. Suk discovers that she's a girl pretty early on and falls in love with her after kind of realizing that. Uh and I think there's another one from 2015, Scholar Who Walks the Night, which is a historical vampire drama, very silly stuff, if I'm honest, uh starring Ijunki and Iyubi. And in that one, Iubi also dresses as a boy, but you know, the male lead knows this. When they first meet, he literally, I think he finds out very quickly and falls in love with her after that. Um, So yeah, I just think it's kind of interesting to think about the different ways you can tell this story. And on the flip side, we have The Tale of Do, which came out in 2019. So this drama stars Kim Soo honorable and Jung Dong Yoon, and is gender-swapped. So it's Jung Dong-yoon, the male lead, who has to dress as a woman, and Kim So-hyun, who grows very close to him as a friend with a lot of bickering, not realizing that he's actually a man until a little bit further on in the drama. And then she finds out that he's actually a man and has to help him sort of hide it from other people. Um and I loved it. I've got to say, what a fantastic drama. If you want a fun historical uh, with lots of romance and action and, you know, Jung Dong Yoon looking like a very pretty woman, um, then definitely check out The Tale of Nokdu. Um, So the point of all of that waffle that I just did at you guys about this trope was, I've been trying to figure out what King's affection is. Like, did Rowan's character know that we was a woman or did he not? They were, the whole time I was watching it, I kind of felt like because he sees her, he sees her at the start. He sees that she's a woman. And when he meets the crown prince, he's like, oh, you're that woman that I I saw in the fucking woods. And she's like, no, I'm absolutely not. And she's so different as a man to that woman that he saw that I feel like he Kind of starts to think that maybe he made a mistake, that he got it wrong, that this couldn't be. How could that be possible? And he starts falling in love with the Crown Prince. And when I was watching it, you know, you can never kind of tell if he knows or if he doesn't, or if he sort of unconsciously knows that this is the same person and something's going on, but he's not really interrogating it because it's very weird and dangerous and maybe he got it wrong and is that crazy what he's thinking you know, to the point where he even has this sort of hallucination because she's so beautiful, you know, and he sees her walking along in a beautiful dress. And that was a point where I was like, okay, he there's some part of him that knows. Otherwise, otherwise, why is he putting her in a dress specifically, you know, making her look more womanly? I don't know. Um, but then... When she gets shot by an arrow or whatever, and finally has to show him, and you know she takes off her top and shows him like you know her like little boob strap thing and her boobs he just she doesn't actually show him her boobs <laughs> gosh, that would be so k drumy. I would be very shocked um just the top the top of the boobs <laughs> anyway, her cleavage he shows she shows him her cleavage, and he's he's really shocked. Like he's super shocked. And by this point, they've already kissed multiple times. And so I'm like, he did know. He didn't know. He really didn't know up until this point that she was a woman. He really, really thought that she was a man. So I was kind of like confused. I don't really like, it doesn't matter either way. I just felt like the drama wasn't super, super clear about it and kind of tried to keep it really ambiguous which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that maybe I personally just was trying to figure it out and unpick it. And I'm not really sure, but my my verdict, because this is what the drama showed us, is that he absolutely didn't know. I think maybe he saw at the beginning, but because when he sees her as the crown prince, like she is so princely and crown princey that he was like, Whoa, I clearly made a very silly mistake, and then I feel like you know the the more he gets to know the Crown Prince, the less he's going to be thinking about some woman's face he saw in the woods once, and he'll start to think that you know it was definitely a mistake he you know, he can't even remember what he saw properly, which makes sense, I think, that he would slowly doubt his initial impression of the crown prince and just believe the crown prince is exactly what the crown prince presents himself to be. And then in that case, it means that Rowan really does just fall in love with the crown prince. And I don't know, he's just a super progressive dude. I mean, this is Um, I feel like there was you know, we see in the drama that there's a lot of rumors about them because they're spending time together and people sort of seem to be aware of this kind of stuff, but it does seem to be a little bit taboo. But I don't know, Rowan is a super progressive, cool guy. And he's just like, This is just how I am. And this is who I love. And I don't know, that's kind of nice too, I think. (laughs) Very positive way to look at it in, you know, much more strict, scary Joe. times. Goodness. Um, So anyway, uh, that was just a big waffle. And I don't know that I particularly had a point, but more that I was just trying to figure out what I thought about all that. So now I think I'm going to move into stuff that I didn't love as much. And then, you know, I'll get out of your ears and stop talking. (laughs) Okay, so stuff that I didn't love quite so much about King's Affection. Um, So, what exactly was Hui's plan about her marriage? So, Hui is a crown prince. Hui gets married to a woman. And Hui is just like, I just felt like she seemed supremely less worried about this development than I would have been in her place because sure, you get married and then the court is going to set a date for your consummation. That's how it worked in Joseon Palaces. And everyone knows when it's going to happen, which is the least romantic shit that I've ever heard in my life, but whatever. So Hui goes along to her consummation date with her new wife and she's just like to her wife and her wife is completely in love with her. Um, And Hui's just basically, which is really sad because I feel that even when this woman finds out that, you know, this husband that she's in love with, with is actually a woman I kind of felt like she still loved her and she just her whole life you know she she's in love with someone and she just can't be with them and I was like this is actually really sad and I felt really sorry for her because you know she's just oh she's a faultless blameless extra party in this very dark world and situation and it's very complicated, but it was, it's not her fault, you know, that she's there in the palace getting married to the crown prince. And the crown prince is basically every time they have a consummation thing, the crown prince is just like, yeah, we're going to sleep separately. And you cannot ask me why. And that's how it's going to be. Um, so of course, you know, this, this princess, whatever is, she's so hurt. She's so upset. She doesn't understand. She, she feels completely and utterly rejected by the man that she loves. Um, and then even at the end, when she finds out it's a woman, I just feel like she's still rejected by the person she loves. Not that, you know, she tried it anyway. It's just, it was a very sad situation. But my point, because I did have a point about what I didn't love so much was we, I just don't understand what Hui thought was going to happen with this, because obviously, you know, it's just how it was. A woman's role, if she becomes a princess or a queen in Joseon, was to bear a child. And if you don't bear a child quickly, you know, they're going to get a different woman in as well. To Because this is the whole point. They need an heir. They need a son. And they need one soon. That is her duty. That is her role. If she cannot fulfill her duty and role then she's basically a useless member of the royal family and that is harsh as fuck but like that's the times that we're talking about and we you know she can forever keep saying like no we're not we're not gonna sleep together whatever but what's what's her goal like she's gonna have to produce an heir if she's going to actually be king and be king long term she needs an heir and I just don't know what the plan was you know And I was like, is she like, the only thing that she could possibly do is get the the wife in on the secret. And then hopefully the wife can have a different boyfriend and have a baby. But like, that's fucking horrible. You know, the wife doesn't want to do this because she loves Hui. And I was just like, this is so awful. But the situation was not so much what I didn't like. It was more just, I don't understand why Hui didn't think some of this through in the long term. You know, I felt like I felt like there should have been some more discussion about the long term and what she was going to do about the whole baby situation. But whatever, that's fine. So talking about that, there are some ladies in this drama. You know, there's uh, the wife who's played by Jong Taeyeon, so Hui's wife. And there's also a female, uh, second female lead, Barely, um, an actress called Bae Yun Gong, who plays a young Joseon lady who is desperately in love with Rowoon and is very, very sad that they don't end up together and very upset. I felt like her whole role in the drama felt strange. Like she comes across as a really horrible person at the very start. And then from then onwards she's super, super nice and really chill and cool and really likable. But also barely in the drama, barely meets Rowoon and then is like, crying over the fact that they can't be together and how hurt she is. And I was like, one, you don't even know him, but also it is and He's very handsome. So I feel like that's maybe partly the reason, but like, she's just not in the drama very much. And it just, I don't know. I don't, I just didn't feel like she was enough of a character to sort of warrant being on the poster, I suppose. She just felt very, very sidelined. And I felt like maybe there could have been something done with this character and her be more of a part of the story. The same as the wife, really, because the whole thing with the wife is very interesting. Like it's another big problem in Hui's life um, that I didn't feel fully got explored enough. Although I did enjoy the fact that he, you know, respects this woman enough to tell her the truth, and I did like that very much. Um, and also that this woman, you know, the wife, then decides not to, you know, not spread rumors and not ruin Hui's life. But I did feel so sorry for her. I really did. It was very sad. Uh, Stuff that I didn't love so much was how he and Rowan were constantly making out in public or like touching hands in public or like looking at each other in swoony eyes in public. And I was like, guys, (laughs) this is meant to be a secret. Um, But they just couldn't do it. They could not keep it a secret. Um, What's this? Oh, I literally can't. Oh, (laughs) I was like, I can't read my writing. Um, So I loved that the second male lead knew her secret. And I quite liked also that Hui's dad knew her secret. I also quite, was very interested in the relationship between Hui and her dad. There's a lot of pain and conflict there. He's disappointed her a lot by that whole thing where he tried to murder her when she was a child. Um, but there's a lot of love in a way there too. And it was a very, very fascinating, complicated relationship. But I did feel like I felt like it's such a big deal that, you know, when the second male lead tells Hui that he knows her secret, that is an enormous deal. And the same as when her dad tells her that he also knows. And I just, I felt like it happened very fast and with less fallout than I would have liked. Like, I feel like these, these moments that should have felt enormous in the plot actually just kind of sped by. And I was sort of I don't know, that just was a little bit quick for me and I felt like there was something more that I wanted from these extremely important moments in the story. Um, but that was okay. Like maybe, yeah, I don't know. Um, I really liked at the end, I really liked how he, you know, everything at the end was actually... Oh, what have I written here? That's actually different. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Oh, I was going to say, this was something else that I didn't love so much. So I was very fascinated um, by the stakes of the show at the start. So particularly the way Hui's mother teaches Hui to be very cold. And we see this scene of her mother basically saying, you know, when, when she's still a little girl, saying, this maidservant knows your secret. This maidservant needs to die. And this is the kind of person that you need to become. To protect yourself and the people around you and protect your secret. So we understand that Hui has, you know, literally become a crown prince through a very frightening kind of trial by fire that has involved murdering people. I found this really interesting and it makes sense that Hui is so cold and disconnected when we catch up to her again in the, you know, when she's older, because you know, she's sort of been pushed this way. She's been forged this way by her mother, who's now gone. And I found that fascinating. And in a lot of ways, interesting, because, you know, the whole reason that Hui hates her grandfather so much is because her grandfather obviously tried to kill her, but murdered her brother. But also, you know, Rowan's dad as well, she hates because he murdered a maidservant, who had caught on to some of, you know, these secret activities that were going on. And she really, really is very upset by this. So that's why it's very interesting to find out that he was involved in similar kind of things, you know, murdering people to keep a secret. Um, we get the impression that this has happened. And I I liked all that. I thought that was very fascinating because it's a it's a real morally gray sort of area for Hui to find herself in and very much so at odds with the sweetness and kindness of her youth, which obviously set Roone's character on this path of sweetness and kindness, and now that he's found her again, she is no longer who she used to be, and really it's through his love that she's able to rediscover that sweetness and kindness in herself again. And I feel like that's such a wonderful sort of romance journey to explore in the drama. But I feel like that conflict of who she's become and what she's done and is there guilt there? And does she realize that it's no better than what you know, the people, her mortal enemies in the court have also done, like murdering to keep a secret. It's just the same. And I I loved all that stuff, but I felt like it felt underexplored to me and it sort of just sort of once she changed and became sweeter and kinder, I felt like that part of the story just dropped away. But without any reflection back on it to wonder what that meant, that she had done these things and she'd become a very different kind of person that maybe when she thaws out and falls in love, she no longer feels so proud of who she used to be. And maybe would there not be some guilt there in terms of some of the bad things that she's done to keep her secret? And would she not wonder, you know, why does she deserve to live and other people die? And I could have, I think I would have really enjoyed a bit of exploration into those kind of deeper themes, but um, I feel like it was just sort of skimmed over, um, which was fine. It didn't really matter to be honest, but I just felt like there was something there that could have been fun to explore, I suppose. Um, So in terms of the ending, I really liked everything. Stuff gets bombastic, it gets scary, it gets very, very bloody. Um, So I really love Hui poisoning her grandfather. I thought that was very badass and intense and it felt... I don't know. It felt like a really good sort of tension-filled ending to this conflict, this power struggle between these two characters. I thought it was really good. I really hated that her little brother dies. Like, I hated it. He was such a sweet little boy and no one could protect him. And it was so sad, like just so sad. And then I felt kind of strange at the very end, you know, like the drama finishes and she tells the truth and everyone's just kind of like all right, that's fine. Because now, you know, second male lead, Ihon is on the throne and Ihon's like, well, I'm not going to murder her because I'm in love with her. So she can just, you know, disappear. Um, which she does. And she gets to, you know, he gets to disappear into the countryside and live a quiet, beautiful life with her great love, Rowan, which is lovely. I keep calling him Rowan instead of his character name, but whatever. <laughs> um, but it did make me kind of feel, I kept wondering, you know, Ikon, the second male lead, like he's, is a big character in the drama, but he's not, it's not like we have a huge sort of view of his inner world and his inner conflicts or anything. But I was, I was kind of left wondering, like, did he ever want the crown? How does he feel about this? You know, is this, cause it was never on the agenda for him to get the throne ever. Like it was either going to be Hui or it was going to be Hui's younger brother. Um, And then, you know, he also had two different uncles fighting for the throne as well and doing some uprising and all this kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, it did just make me wonder. I kind of felt sorry for Eon and I was kind of like, how does he feel about this? You know, I would have liked to just sort of, maybe even just one really small scene where we can see, how he felt about being the king of Joseon unexpectedly. (laughs) He just felt like a big enough character that I, I was like, Oh, what? Um, but anyway, it was fun. Um, so I really liked the romantic scenes at the end. Um, you know, it was really nice to see them as a couple with her dressed as herself, as a woman, as she, you know, really truly is on the inside. And I really liked it. I thought it was really romantic and lovely. Like, I'm sure it's bits bit fanservice-y, but like, I'm totally there for the fanservice stuff. I thought it was really nice. <laughs> all right. That's, that's it. I'm done. Um, so I think that's all I'm going to say on the King's Affection 20 episode drama from 2021, Historical Romance. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. Like, I feel like I complained about it a little bit. Um, but to be honest, like I said at the start, those, the things that I didn't, love. I felt very mild about. I didn't really care or mind. Um, And although I wasn't addicted to this drama, I still just thoroughly enjoyed it. It felt kind of gentle, which is an interesting way to describe a drama with so many dead bodies and so much blood. But there you go. Very swoony, very shiny, very beautiful. King's affection. Thank you for listening. Everybody, that brings me to the very end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to me waffle on for rather a long time about this particular drama, and I hope that you'll tune in again next week for some more K drama waffle. <laughs> I can't promise anything different; it will definitely be more waffle. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. Um, huge, huge thank you to my Patreon supporters who support this show on Patreon. You guys are amazing I really really appreciate it so much um and I hope that everyone will tune in again next week for some more extraordinary waffle about shows <laughs> all right bye everybody